What's up, everybody? It's Captain Novice, a.k.a. Jason, and my buddy Bo. We're here tonight to talk about Bo to America. Bo, what's going on this evening? Hey, not much, Jason. How about you? Hey, man. I'm doing great. We had a great weekend of racing over at Laguna Sega, which is a pretty iconic track here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think the Moto America guys really, really stepped up and put on some great races throughout the weekend. I was stoked to see the Superbike races got a little closer. The Stock 1000 race was crazy close. Uh, and there was some good racing between SDK and Richie Escalante in Supersport. So, I mean, all... All credit to all those guys. They really went out there and put on a show for the fans that were there. There were a few fans. We are starting to let fans back in the building, so that's nice. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, most definitely. You know, echo echoing everything that you said. Um, you know, the superbike races gaps closed down a little bit to the front, and um, you know, the super sport races. We've talked about it all year just how fun these races really are to watch and and we were treated to just more of the same of that all weekend um you know a lot of fighting between sdk and richie escalante but we'll definitely dive into those um you know a little bit more in detail so uh what do you what do you say we get right down to it yeah absolutely well you know what let's go ahead and just start with the super bike race i mean i was pleasantly surprised to see someone actually stay in touch with jake gagne past the first three corners that was great. I think that was the thing of the weekend. You know, Laura Spaz in race one really stuck with Jake Gagne, um, even though race one had a red flag. Uh, he got another start, and he, he actually did a great job. So let's go over the top ten. Jake Gagne wins the, wins the race. Laura Spaz in second. Cam Peterson in third. Matthew Skoltz in fourth. Fifth was Josh Heron. Sixth was Hector Barbara. Seventh was Bobby Fong. Eighth was Tony Elias. He was back. Ninth was Jake Lewis. And tenth was Travis Wyman. I Listen, it's hard to take anything away from Jake Gagne other than saying, my goodness, this guy is fast. And I had been wanting all year to see what would happen when someone was close. Well, I saw it. He was just ticking off laps like it was nothing. He didn't, he didn't look like he was bothered at all. What do you think? No, yeah, I, we, this is the first time, like you said, that we've seen another rider really start to put pressure on Jake Gagne, and um, you know, Jake Gagne really didn't fold uh, at all. He he just continued to do what he was doing and and ride the bike and just tick off laps, uh, you know, like it was his job, and and he did a very good, uh, very good job of doing oddly that. enough, and, it is his and, job. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so no, it. <laughs> You know, Jake Gagne, we know the talent's there. We, we know that he's fast. We know that he's, you know, very good on a bike. But I think the fact that we've got Loris Baz is now stepping over here from the European circuit. And it, it's, you know, a lot, some of the, a lot of these tracks are going to be new uh, to Loris Baz. But Laguna Seca is not. Uh, Laguna Seca is right. a track that he's he familiar is, with it. Yep. Yeah, he's spent a lot of time on, you know, in the World Superbike circuit. And, um, you know, it's a place that he's going to be a bit faster relatively, you know, to other tracks. Um but still yet, you know, Jake Gagne was able to, you know, uh, finish the race, you know, 1.1 seconds ahead of uh, race one, 1.1 seconds ahead of uh, Loris Baz. So uh, I think it just it's a, it just speaks a lot to the speed that Jake Gagne does have on that Yamaha and just how good of a job the uh, attack performance Yamaha is really doing this year. That team is doing at least. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think Jake Gagne, when I was watching the race, I was paying special attention to... Jake Gagne 
getting out of the corner. And I really think that's where the Yamaha is doing the business to everyone else. I mean, it it just feels like Jake Gagne can get out of the corner better than almost anyone else. Um, and maybe better than anyone else right now because no one can catch him. But, you know, I saw Loris Bass pull up on the brakes a couple of times, you know, close that gap, especially mm-hmm. head, headed to the top of the corkscrew and, and into six. Um, but, man, out of the corner, no chance, you know. And uh, it was really... It was really good for me to see uh, someone challenge Jake and Jake just say, no worries. I got it. You know, I'll just do this. Yeah. Speaking of, say, Bo, no, no, I'm just speaking of Loris Baz going into the corkscrew. Uh, I mean, what a pass on the outside of Cam Peterson. Oh my uh, gosh. That was, that was nuts. Yeah. That was nuts. And, and that then, was a crazy move. I mean, I can't believe he pulled that off. Yeah. And then to make it stick too. Yeah. Coming down, you know, after running wide, then coming down through the corkscrew and you know, all that, all that got bunched up, you know, coming down through, we saw Matt Skoltz just about lose the front coming in uh, down through rainy curve as well. And you know, that kind of mm-hmm. got everyone really screwed up. And, and once everyone got back, you know, got their bearings back, um, I think that it, uh, you know, we saw the everyone kind of calmed down a bit and the race kind of right. uh, started up again. Well, but, uh, yeah. I mean, Jake went off uh, going into uh, seven, six, I believe, yeah. seven or eight, uh, six, 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 sorry. Six. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, he went off and that's the first mistake we've seen him make, but he was in fourth for about mm-hmm. a quarter of a lap and then he was back in first <laughs> and then he was right, gone. Right. So it, it was pretty crazy, but you know, all credit to Loris Baz. Now, one of the things I brought up last time, and I said this, that I didn't think this Ducati looked like the world Superbike Ducati in terms of performance. Well, this bike is exactly the same as the world Superbike Ducati, except for the transmission. And that's a big piece. That's a big piece to the pie there. I mean, the the you know, I, I don't know what the difference is, but it cannot be the same as a World Superbike transmission. So that's pretty interesting to me that uh, everything's the same except for the transmission. But I think that may be why we don't see uh, this bike get out of the corners as well as it does in World Superbike. Okay. All right. That's my take. Um because I think the transmission is a big part of it. I really do. Uh, the shift patterns, everything, you know, who knows? Who knows what kind of wizardry they have going on over there <laughs> yeah. in Europe. But, I mean, it's all witchcraft to me. I don't know. But that's the truth. So, you know, I want to talk about Cam Peterson for a minute. I mean, we've been talking about it this year. He's he been riding super well. Um, but he was unable, really, to live with the pace of Baz and Gagne. But really... You know, Skoltz was behind him by, you know, by the second, 1.3 seconds. Mm-hmm. So really, he just kind of held on, ran his race. I mean, you look at, you know, he ran a 125.2 was his fastest lap. And Loris actually ran the fastest lap of the race at 124.829. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he just really didn't have that lap after lap pace to keep up with those guys but i thought he did a good job and he brought it home and got a podium yeah that's really important to 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 look at too yeah he was 3.6 off of the you know off of loris baz or excuse me off of uh jake Gagne. um but you know this is cameron peterson's first year 
in superbike class as well. You know, he's ran some superbike. I think the you know he ran the stock 1000 bike in the superbike races last year. Um, he was on the Suzuki last year in stock 1000. But we do know that there's a difference stepping up into you know superbike class. The builds are different. It's going to take a little bit more time to get used to. Even running at the front with these fellows, it's going to be a little bit different. But you know, he finished yep. in front of Matt Skoltz. Um, you know, he was 1.3 in front of Matt Skoltz, who has been in this class for a couple of years um, and has really yeah. cut his te- teeth with the same team. And, you know, we really have to pay attention to what's going on around Cameron Peterson inside of that garage as well because he is teammates with a Bobby Fong, but who we who, – who, in all honesty, if, if I'm being honest, I expected Bobby Fong really to be the person to carry that torch this year for the M4 X-Star Suzuki team in Superbike. And Cameron Peterson is that person this year. Um, you know, Cameron Peterson's results are are better than Bobby Fong's. We've seen Cameron Peterson. Oh, not even cons- close. It's right, not close. So uh, to me, that's a that's a that's a surprise. Um, so I, wow. I, I don't want to take anything away from Cameron from what Cameron Peterson's doing right now, um, because it's I, I don't see anything negative. I, I think that he's continuously going to develop that bike, and it's also important to to know that this M4 X Star team is is the factory team this year right the the you know yoshimura yep. pulled out of, of superbike yep. um at the end yep. of last year i believe so you know that i'm not sure what kind of support they're really getting from suzuki or how deep that support goes from suzuki or when that yoshimura um, sponsorship went away just how much funding and, and r&d kind of went away from that team as well so um uh, you know, if they're considered a factory team, which I think it is, because uh, you know, obviously Suzuki X-Star is, um, but I, I really think that that Cameron Peterson's do, doing a phenomenal job with that team and that bike this year. And I can really, I can't say anything bad about him. No, I, I, I think Cameron's ridden really well, and I'm glad you mentioned it being a factory team, though, because that's one of my contentions, points of contention with Moto America right now, and that is, we can't run a real series with two factory teams you you can't do that you have to have more than two factory teams i mean you've got yamaha and suzuki and that's it right i mean i think maybe you could argue that loris was on a factory bike but i don't know what their support level is and at the same time you know it's just a it's just sad to me that we have i love the privateer aspect of moto america but that's the only aspect really but right that's now. I mean, the, so the appeal of the privateer is not so much the it's the it's the it's the the romantic story if you will you know what i mean it's the the underdog yeah, but story it, but you, you know? don't get right but you don't get a you don't get a higher profile with more privateers no that's i completely understand yeah, yeah no no yeah, I, yeah and, I, and I we're, we're looking to raise the level of racing over here and the guys at the front now, you know, they they interviewed Cameron Bobier, and he made a statement that I thought he was he was giving him a compliment, but I was like, that's the truth. He's like the guys at the front of this class are good; they're fast. Mm-hmm. But if you get past number five, I mean, these guys couldn't go anywhere else in race, really. And Matt Skoltz is a privateer putting it up in that top five. I mean, he is competing. Yes. So his talent is there. But, you know, I, I one of the things that I, I, I took away from that race, and I've been looking at it all year, was just how fast Gagne's outlaps are from the standing start. I mean, they are so fast. Like, he is, he is so 
in and trusting of his tires and his machine on that mm-hmm. first lap. And we've seen him leave. And when he didn't get away this time, I thought, well, it's a little bit more interesting, right? But, you know, it was like we, we talked about. It's it the first time someone was within a second of him after the first lap. That's crazy to think about. That's crazy. So it also means that there's a big step down in terms of performance or talent after that to me. Because that then that's what scares me the most about Moto America is that we we have this great racing, but if we want to send America's Americans especially overseas to compete, we got to raise the profile. And having what seventeen twenty plus privateers and four factory bikes, mm-hmm. that's not that's not how you do that. Right. Not that I don't love it. I do love the fact uh, the fact that we have privateers. Real, true privateers. But Jeffrey Perk is not bringing any profile dollars over here. So, I mean, well, not- you know, it, it, it's very important to to remember, though, that a lot of the bikes that are on the Superbike grid are not Superbike spec bikes. They are stock 1,000 bikes that are... St- so, you know, we've really got to keep that in mind. And, and, I, and I understand the goal behind that Superbike Cup uh, for Moto America is to kind of bloat the grid, you, you know, to make it look like it's like a higher profile, like what what we're talking about. You know, we want to want to fluff the grid a little bit to make it look like we've got more people in the superbike class than than is really fluff there. The grid. So and I, I, I mean, I don't I don't mean that disrespectful. <laughs> if if there's any if you know, I don't mean that disrespectful to the guys that are actually to, that are racing, right? Um, yeah. But uh, we don't but, want to mess with you guys. Well, this is an effort. <laughs> it's an effort sorry, from. Man. I can't. Go ahead and get it out. <laughs> Listen. Parked in turn one exclusive, I folks. Mean. This is Jason's hysterical <laughs> laughter. <laughs> We're fluffing the grid. That's Of all the ways to say that, that's how you said it. I love it. All right. Please continue your super interesting point, Bo. Anyway. <laughs> so that's not, to, that's not to sound disrespectful. That's just... I think that's Moto America's way of showing growth or at least trying to display some sort of a growth, you know, because we okay. still had, you know, how we had two DNFs on top of the, the 21 that did, uh, did, uh, no, we had more DNFs than then, that. Well, there were, do not, oh, we there had were two DNFs and right, a lot of DN, do not DNFs. Start. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so two D two more DNFs on top of that. So we had three, uh, 23, excuse me, bikes that were on the grid. Um, and, and I, I like the effort that Moto America is, is putting into this, but I'm not sure how effective it's becoming or it, it is. Um, so, you know, like you, we want to see, we want to see good, clean, hard nosed American racing. Um, but it, it, we've talked about this all year. You, you forgot red blooded and passionate. Have... <laughs> Sorry. I'm just messing with you, man. I'm sorry. Everyone out there in podcast land, um, it is with great sadness that I will say that tonight will be my last episode uh, as Jason's co-host. Um, the episodes of emotional abuse are uh, oh, taking its okay. toll on me. Is that what we're doing now? now I'm not cutting that. Appealing. No, we're going to jump back into that. We're <laughs> so... 
No, we want to no. see good racing, right? Yes, and, we do. And, and we want to see factory teams. We want to see Yamaha come back in the Super... Uh, you know, I want to see Yamaha factory team back in Super Sport. I want to see a full-fledged Yamaha team come back into, uh, you know, Superbike and, and not just the, you know... This fresh and Honda lean attack and Kawasaki need you know? to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to see a Honda, a Kawasaki. We need to see an Apria. We we need we need more factory support. That that's my point. Like the profile yeah. raises the more factory rides that are out there, right? And exactly. that attracts talent. That attracts sponsors, which attracts viewers. Which all this stuff kind of snowballs, right? Um, but we're not there right now. And I get what you're saying about the grid, about them trying to make like the look look like there's more than there is. And I have this argument with people all the time about safety. Like we can do things that make you feel safe, but I would rather spend my energy doing things that actually make me safer, not make me feel safer, but actually make me safer. So I would like for them to actually have more racers rather than making it look like they have a lot of racers. Right. You know, I, I want to see. You know, I'm cool to have 10 privateers on that grid, but we need eight to 10 factory bikes out there. We really do. And and I would take six at this point, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I just have to continue to echo it, you know, and, and we kind of saw, like you said, with the, with the Ducati team, um, it's kind of considered a a factory supported team, I think, um, but we don't know what level they're actually getting, you know. And and we know that yeah. that um, Kyle Wyman is you know pri is running his own private team, does oh. a lot with that team, and and you know Tony Ellis ran for him as well this year. But but Kyle Wyman's probably not a, not getting the type of support from Ducati no. that he needs to continue to no, run that no, team, no, no. you know, and, and, and he needs, nope, he's he needs not. more, know you know, more funding from that. Yeah. So, you know, it all comes down to the cash is king and, and how do we increase that exposure and really make it lucrative for businesses or attractive for businesses to step in and say, yeah, I, I would like to sponsor that, or I want to throw more money at that. And even manufacturers to come back in to say, yes, this is going to be worth our dime to come in and build this kind of racing. Well, I can guarantee you it's not having Greg White tell me every five minutes that if I've never watched Superbike racing, the only way they can communicate with their rider is through a pit board. I can guarantee oh. you that's not going to bring him in. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> if he tells me that one more time, I swear. I, Greg, I know what you're doing. I know we have people that have never seen the race before, but please stop. Please. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> can we put it on a, like a runner at the bottom of the screen? Anything just to make him quit mentioning it. Listen, because I feel like after, when he runs out of no. things to say, he's like, and if you've never been to a race or watch him for the first time, oh, the only way they could communicate is with the pit board. You mean they can't yell at him when they're going by? Greg? No. They use a pit board to communicate all the information they can get to them. Great. Well, here's the thing. I, it, it, He's doing the best he can. Moto America has got to work out a lot of things. Um, in addition to the announcing, I, I think the camera work needs some work because as soon as Richie Escalante gets ready to put a move on Sean Dillon Kelly. We, we go, go back to thirteenth place yeah, by himself. We go back to a guy that's by himself. <laughs> I've said this for how long now? I can't. When oh. we went to the ridge, there was a, a battle for second place. I think at the ridge, mm -hmm. and we cut to Jake Gagne, who's seven seconds in front of everyone, getting ready to cross the line. What do you? Come on now. Well, I'm, to be fair, we want to see him cross the line and win, but they do it at the wrong time. I get it, but we're off on a tangent. Let's yeah, get back to yeah. talk about. You know, I thought it was a good race for Skultz. I did. I, I think they, they really struggled at the ridge. This was a good uh, comeback race. Um, 
And I felt like it was positive for him. He had good pace. I feel like, you know, they got some things figured out. That's great. They're headed in the right direction. Josh Heron, on the other hand, went the wrong way. Yeah. And yeah. Heron actually owns the lap record at Laguna Seca, believe it or not. And I think and he, Heron was fighting towards the front at the beginning of the race, if I'm not mistaken. And then something happened was. and he got shoved back fairly far. But I, I don't I, think we ever saw what happened. Um, at least well, I did I was, in the race. I saw what happened, and it was Heron doing what Heron does. He and went off he ultra went, aggressive, okay, and he 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 went offline because he couldn't do what he was trying to do. He had no chance to make that move, and he tried it anyway. But and I and I have to remember it was speaking to our friend Dan. Dan, it's Dan's birthday today, so happy birthday, Dan! Happy birthday, Dan! Oh. Hope I you're having a great that. day. Yeah, it's his birthday, but he sent he sent me a message today and said that he's been yelling at us to quit saying that somebody's having bad luck when they crash because it's their fault. So it is not bad luck for Josh Heron, and I was thinking about Josh Heron when he said that because it's not bad luck. Josh Heron, I said this at the Ridge, he's too aggressive sometimes. He he is so aggressive, which we like aggressive. But buddy, you got to turn that dial, well, that dial back down it. a little bit. So, yeah. so he's got to back it up, you know. So you have to have right. a good mixture of. Zar- We're going to give him the Zarco juice. <laughs> you have to know when to be aggressive and when to dial it back, you know. So so he, it's- he doesn't have the no aggressive. I think he's always aggressive. You know what I mean? And, yep. And so it's tough for Josh because he wants to be aggressive. He wants to be at the front, and I totally get that. But at the same time, if the move that he tried to make was never in a million years going to work. So why? Why did you do that? And and it's just the thing with, you know, that's when your mind's not working correctly. It's like, oh, I got to get in front, got to get in front, got to get in front. Not, oh, let me put a move on this guy right here because I'm faster. It's just like, it doesn't matter what happens. I got to get in front, right? And and so that's a problem. So with Josh, I think that's a common theme this year. He's overriding the bike. He's got to relax a little bit. And, and let it come to him. I thought we had this figured out at the Ridge, but obviously not. Because right. he didn't have the pace even after he messed up. Because he, he was way behind Skultz. And, and his fastest lap was a 25-4. So he didn't have the pace. So he didn't have it. So, you know, maybe they'll they'll go, they'll pack it up a little while, get it figured out for Josh at the next round. Hector Barbara ran a great race. Now, he's been to Laguna Seca with MotoGP. Mm-hmm. I believe he was there with World Superbike as well. But he's been there, so he ran a good race finishing in sixth. And there's that guy again in Bobby Fong that we've been talking about. I really just feel like this is a throwaway year for Bobby, and I'm really kind of worried that he's not going to keep that seat. I agree. You know, I really do. Um, you know, and, and you know, the next – excuse me, the next Suzuki that we see, uh, you know, in the grid is – just two places behind him and Jake Lewis. And, and, you know, I was really upset when Jake Lewis didn't get a seat in Superbike. Um, you know, and I think he took a year off last year or, or um, was in. He in, had a couple of uh, guest rides, like a, you know, yeah, cameo rides. Yeah. And, and, and cause I always enjoyed watching Jake Lewis, you know, a couple of years back whenever he was in class. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, so like you're saying, you know, what happens with Bobby Fong at the end of this season? Um, you know, does he step back towards, uh, super sport because those seats are already filled, you know, unless we see uh, a Sean Dillon Kelly move to Europe, which I hope we do. Um, or, or does he call it quits? You know, what, what happens with Bobby Fong? Because the results are not there. And that's not, know. those are not no, the results not that the X-Star team needs to be having. There needs to be, you know, no. we need to see what we saw really with Tony Elias and, um, 
and Josh Heron. You know, once Josh Heron got it figured out and figured out how to be a teammate to Tony Elias, you know, Josh Heron was fairly strong uh, with that team. You know, and, and ultimately that was the the years that, you know, we would see Garrett Gerloff and, and Cameron Bobier finish strong together, but then you'd always see the Yoshimura bikes not too far behind if just in front of one of those other bikes, so one of the Yamahas. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think Bobby's just having a tough year. I, I, I don't know what else to say, man. He's but it's not his first it's, it's year. But, but it's not his first year on that bike, though. You know what I mean? No. Like, like there's something. No, going it's not. On. He's there, not doing right. He's not. He's not the Bobby Fong we thought we would see for sure. You know, a Tony Elias. Uh, I thought showing up and riding a Ducati, and they. I don't think he's ever ridden a Ducati at any yeah, level I or any that series. Being said, yeah. Um, and and I can't remember it. So you know, he did a great job. I think coming in cold, finishing in the top ten for Panera Bread Ducati. Great. I like it. Finished ahead of Jake Lewis and Travis mm-hmm. Wyman to round out, round out the top 10. You know, I I think the thing that we took away here is that we saw Jake Gagne get challenged and he stood up. So moving to race two, though, Jake Gagne finishes first. He wins again, his ninth win in a row. Loris Baz is again in second. Matthew Skoltz was in third. Cam Peterson in fourth. Josh Heron again in fifth. Bobby Fong in sixth. Tony Ellis in seventh. Hector Barbara in eighth, Travis Wyman in ninth, and Bryce Prince finished in tenth. Now, again, we saw the same thing. You know, people pushing Gagne, but he didn't flinch. So what else are we going to say? I mean, he did a great job. He's right. on fire, yeah. nine wins in a row, killing it. Yeah. Um, but but we saw a big step forward in terms of performance from the Ducati and Loris Baz, and I think that's positive for our series. It makes for great racing going forward. Hopefully... You know, Loris will, you know, continue to improve and do it. But the thing I, I, I just love that Matthew Skultz made it onto a podium because I felt like, and I said it at the Ridge, they have been struggling since Road America. And this is a big podium for Matt Skultz, I think. Yeah, I want to, yeah, definitely. Um, that team's just a, just a really good team. And Matt's an amazing rider. We've seen it year in and year out. You know, Matt's always got that front runner pace but it seems like that it's just that little bit that there's something missing don't know if it's something that matt's not bringing to the table for it's something that the team doesn't have you know and it's and we've talked about the funding with the factory teams and and privateer teams so you know it's hard to really say what that that miss is right now you know is it the fact that jake gagne is just on a completely different level or is it the fact that that team's lacking something that little bit extra that's going to push them over the finish line first um but no, to go back to Laura Spaz, I believe that this weekend was not just indicative of him making a big step on that bike, but the fact that he has experience around this track, I think it's going to give them more valuable knowledge and it's going to help him be able to uh, translate what the bike should be doing, you know, because he knows his way around this track. He knows what the bike should feel like around this track. He knows how to go faster on this track. So it, he's going to be able to tell that team, you know, where the downfalls of the bike are a little bit better than what it, you know, could be at the Ridge, you know, where he's not ran before or VIR right. where he's not run yeah, full absolutely. race distance. So, you know, and it's not, that's not a language barrier. That's just the, you know, the, I guess that's a, a the language of the track, you know, like what the characteristic right. of the track, you know, where should it be fast? Where should you feel this? Where should you feel that? Things like that. But I think this weekend is going to help them a lot. in as as far as data interpretation between rider, bike and team, and I think that this is going to give them a lot more momentum in in future races coming down the pipeline. Um, but no, jumping over, you know, we talked about Skoltz, uh, jumping out of Cameron Peterson now in fourth. Um, 
once again pretty strong. He's doing he great. was he was quite a bit He's further great. back, you know, seven. He was. So he was he was what fourteen seconds behind Gagne this time. Right. Listen, he's riding great, but I just don't think he has anything for Gagne right now. Right. That's what I wrote yeah. down. I was like, you know, he's riding great. It's it just Gagne's on a different planet. Well, and it, he doesn't have anything for Gagne right now. But he was even thirteen seconds ahead of his teammate. So you know that it's. It, it, we so can't, maybe he's riding that bike to its potential. We just, maybe that's exactly. the potential of that we bike. Just, we can't say anything better about Cameron Peterson than the job no, he's uh-huh. doing with the team right now just to keep it up, you know, and, and hopefully he's going to make a, a further step forward uh, next year. Uh, you know, I think that that's a seat that belongs to Cameron Peterson. I oh, don't they're think not going to get rid of Cameron Peterson. I, I, There's I, no way. I think they'd be crazy too, to be honest with you. Oh, uh, if they if they do, then I'll write some strongly worded letters. But, you know, I, I think the guy that went backwards this weekend was Josh Heron. So, absolutely. Completely agree. I, I just feel like I don't know what it was. He just looks frantic on the bike. Mm-hmm. He is trying so hard. And I feel for the guy because I know he feels like he can be up there. But there's a part of me that says maybe, Josh, you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't... I saw him do so much better at the Ridge, so it's really hard to say that, but I... I feel like that's an outlier this year. What? How many races have we had now? Ten or eight? I don't remember. But anyway, he's only had two races where he was anywhere in touch with Gagne. So to me, those are the outliers and not the norm. And I think, you know, Dennis Green said it best. You are what your record says you are. And right now, Josh is not anywhere close to Gagne either, but not... No one really is, but he's on the same bike, technically. Yeah, yeah that's what's scary. And he about can't, it, you know, yeah. and he can't, and he can't do it. Yeah. So, you know, for Josh, I think he's just got to collect himself and and get better. I, I, but I don't know. I don't know if he can. I just don't. I just don't know. And I'm not going to say he can't, but I just don't know because I don't see it coming the right way. I mean, you took a step forward and you took three steps back. Yeah. You know. So with the difference of uh, the. The difference of of Loris, but you're taking Loris Baz out of this this conversation. You know, Josh Heron, uh, Jake Gagne was on the Yamaha last year. Matt Skoltz has been on that that same Yamaha for you know two to three years now, I think. Um, Cameron Peterson was on a stock 1000 Suzuki last year, so he's somewhat familiar with the bike. Josh Heron has been on a different bike for the past four years now i think um you know yep. his, his fourth year coming back to a yamaha or is this is fifth year um if we if we talk about it but that first year would have been on a yamaha and then come back coming back around to yamaha if i'm if i'm remembering correctly in the sequence of years so um i don't want to say i don't want to use that as a, that as an excuse um because i don't think it's a valid excuse we've seen the talent that josh heron has how fast he is on a bike um, uh, I think that he's, you know, expressed his his taste for the Yamaha and, and that he's enjoying riding the bike. So we don't see the results of that, though. Like you said, he's completely frantic on the bike. He's not calm. He he's not collected. He rushes passes. He rushes everything that happens on the bike. He he takes shots that are not calculated, have poor judgment to it, and show no patience. Um, so Josh Heron has to figure those things out. Yeah, I agree. That's that's exactly right. You know, Bobby Fong's kind of in that same thing. He's got a teammate that's outperforming him every week, uh, and and he's got to 
he's got to either he's got to either figure it out or he's got to go. I mean, right now a factory team finishing sixth behind, um, you know, two privateers is not okay. You can't do it. You just can't do it as a factory rider. You know, Tony, uh, but Tony Elias again in seventh. I mean, he's. I, you know, I like Tony Elias. I think he's a great rider. I, I was really surprised he rode that bike as well as he did. Um, and uh, I I commend him for doing a great job. And uh, Hector Barber, too. I mean, Hector Barber, like you said, is on that older BMW. I don't understand why they don't have the newer BMW. That bothers me a little bit. But he's riding the wheels off that old bike. I, I think you and I both know why they don't have a brand-new BMW. And it comes down to what we talked about with Moto America before. It's all funding. It's all coming down to funding. These teams are doing their best to come out to race. And if they've already got a bike that's in the stable that's still performing well, then I think you try to stick with it. But, you know, I would love to see a brand-new M1000RR on, on the grid, you know, same as the World Superbike spec bike. Um, well, yeah. But that's me. Oh, know, well, sure. A, yeah, awful... absolutely. We all would. I mean, if, if BMW came over here, that'd be huge. If you could get BMW and a Priya... Uh, to come over and and even Ducati is factory team the Euro just get the Euro squad over here. Well, I mean we've seen Aprilia's success in the Twins Cup, so you know maybe now that'll entice them to take a little peek into the, the uh, Superbike yeah. Cup as well. So let me send a little message out to Aprilia. Yeah, bring you your rear ends over here. Cast a couple of nets y- out there. I know you've got connections. You want a PT1 Aprilia? Is that what they want? They want the PT1 sponsored Aprilia? Okay, that'd be a pretty bike. Well, that would be a beautiful bike. So bring it on, Aprilia. You heard it. We're not afraid of you. Um, but, uh, you know, Travis Wyman, Bryce Prince, there's a name we haven't heard in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, he came out to race and good on him. I mean, he finished 10th with a super stock bike. Uh, so, you know, but he lives in California, he's in Bakersfield. So he rides Laguna probably a good bit. So he knows it well. So it, it paid off for him there. Um, but that's really all I have for super bike. I mean, I, I, I want to get to super sport. Where are you at? Yeah, we're going to cut this one and jump into super sport because uh, those that's there's some pretty tight racing. So uh, hang tight with us. Yeah. And we'll we'll jump right over there.